When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, MD Nation, and welcome back to today's show. But before we get into today's episode, where we're talking about the team profiles of the Washington Redskins, and the, well, I shouldn't say the Washington Redskins, the Washington team. We don't know what their nickname's going to be yet. The Patriots, the Panthers, and the Jaguars. We have to talk to you about who's going to be presenting today's episode, and that's going to be Podgo. Podgo is a great platform for small podcasts to find advertising to monetize your podcast if you're just starting off. Uh, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. I recently joined as a member, and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. Be sure to reference this show when you sign up at podgo.co. Again, that is podgo.co. And now for the show. Welcome to Belly Up Sports, MD's fantasy football show. Now for your host, Dan Mater. And welcome everyone to today's episode. It is Friday the 17th and we have a great one in store for you guys today as I talked about in the pre-roll uh, live read there. As far as breaking news goes... Obviously, the big report, the Washington Post, talking about the culture of the NFL, Dan Snyder in particular, along with several others in that article. It's it's booming news, and we don't know the ramifications of it just yet, what it's all going to mean. Uh, but being that this is a fantasy football show, this is what we're going to focus on as far as that goes. Those are things that be taken care of and talked about by people much smarter than I on those issues and uh, what the proper steps will be from there. But we can expect there's going to be major ramifications in the side, the culture of the NFL. And frankly, I'm a little bit surprised that it's taken this long considering uh, all the movements that we've had over the past few years, first starting in Hollywood, then in government. Uh, now it's just starting to reach the NFL now. It's something that I'm not really surprised by, but also something that we're not going to tackle about too much on this show. So like I said, we do have the Washington. When Washington, we don't know yet. What'll be the Red Tails, the Warhogs, the Warriors, whoever. We don't know what their nickname's going to be yet. We're, we should be hearing about that pretty soon from what I've been gathering. And uh, I think, if anything, with this Washington Post news coming out, I do think that'll actually push the button for Dan Snyder to get some attention off of him and hopefully into a positive light. And a big way to do that would be announcing that nickname soon. So I imagine we're going to hear something by next week, uh, especially considering as of now, training camp is supposed to be in full session come July 28th. Now, whether that winds up actually coming to fruition remains to be seen. Hopefully it does, but we don't know just yet. Uh, 
But if that's going to be the expectation, then I would imagine that they would be having an emphasis on let's get the new logo out with the, you know, what the team name's going to be before everybody reports to camp. Because otherwise, that's going to be number one question in everybody's mind. It's going to be, you want to talk about the distraction. That's going to be one of the hugest distractions you're ever going to have uh, going for a football team right now. And you don't want to have that, especially with a new coach and all the question marks that they have in general. As far as some other offseason notes from around the league, uh, we had some contract extensions that did take place before the deadline. Derrick Henry signs a four-year, $50 million deal, about $25 million guaranteed. Uh, we knew... We're not really surprised there, right? We knew even if they didn't get a contract done this year that they would probably get one done next year. He is the heart and soul of that offense. He's going nowhere. We know he can expect to get about 300 carries or plus uh, this season. Uh, He's not going to be involved much in the passing game, but getting that kind of workload on the rushing game combined with his talent and the fact that he's always going to get those touchdowns, it does put him in the first round category, no matter what scoring format you're in, whether it's half point PPR, full point PPR, or standard. Now, obviously, there's a little bit more value in the standard leagues, uh, but in the half point, full point PPR, he's still going to be an RB1, even with the lack of passing production. Anything you get out of him in the receiving game is just frankly going to be bonus, essentially. Uh, so, what we have for you guys in store for today, after uh, oh, we, one more thing is we want to talk, I do want to mention the Dak Prescott contract didn't get done reportedly he turned down a hundred million dollar guaranteed deal from everything that i understand inside the situation from people i've talked to it the big hang-up is the years had had the cowboys been willing to go to a four-year contract rather than a five-year contract or more which is what they were trying to push the deal would have gotten done so it wasn't the money number it was the amount of years pretty much Dak prescott wants to set himself up in a situation where he could possibly get a second contract before before he uh, uh, exits his prime. That's what it boils down to. But he's going to play on the franchise tag this season. You know what? It worked out for Kirk Cousins. And if he gets if he gets franchise tagged again next season, he's going to make almost $40 million. So he's going to be making a lot of money in the meantime. He just won't have a long-term deal. So it is a bit of a risk because if he gets hurt, then who knows what happens to his value. But on the flip side... If he's able to take those weapons that the Dallas Cowboys have this season, have a highly successful year, especially fantasy-wise, I have him as my number three quarterback overall. You guys know this. If you were if you were checking out the rankings on www.bellyupfantasysports.com, which you should be, you know he has my third quarterback overall. With the amount of weapons he has, that offensive system, everything should look pretty good for Dak this season. And if he does really, really well, and the Cowboys make the playoffs and make a little bit of a run, then he could boost his value even further. So it might not be a bad thing from the bet on himself. He just has to stay healthy. And this is a guy who's been pretty durable, who's been able to stay healthy, who has not missed games since he's come into the NFL. That pretty much wraps it up for the offseason notes, though. There wasn't anything really big fantasy-relevant-wise that happened in the past week. Uh, Before we move on into... Team Washington, which is what we're going to have to call them for the foreseeable future, I do want to talk to you guys about MD Nation Hotline. Now, this is the second to last episode for the Team Profiles, which means we're going to be opening up the mailbag segment in those upcoming episodes starting in August. And I want you guys to all take advantage of this. Call the MD Nation Hotline, 609-362-2480-247. Doesn't matter what time of day. Leave your voicemail, comment, question, rant, whatever the case may be, and we're going to put you on the show. You can also... Get your question or comment or rant uh, read on the show and talked about on the show if you contact me on social media, which would be on Twitter or on Facebook at BellyUpMDFFShow on for both for for both Twitter and Facebook. And of course, you can always email me directly MDSFantasyFootball at gmail.com if you are so inclined for that option. 
So first and foremost, we're talking about Washington from a fantasy standpoint. I had to think about this one leading into this episode because the big question I have for myself is how can I analyze this team to make it more interesting than the fact that it's very, very simple, which is Terry McLaurin is the only guy you care about from a fantasy perspective. Everybody else, who cares? Move on. It doesn't matter. And (laughs) so when... Obviously, yes, Terry McLaurin is the guy. He is the one that if you're going to pick a guy from Washington, he's going to be the guy who's fantasy relevant. His ADP right now is about wide receiver 29, and that's not too far off from where I have him ranked uh, as myself. The big question is, of course, going to be, you know, Dwayne Haskins and the running back field. Does Jeremy Sprinkle have any value? And I'll touch on Sprinkle real quick. The answer to that is probably not. I do like his talent a little bit. He is a guy that I think maybe DFS-wise, maybe there's a he catches a little bit of a hot streak in a couple of weeks where maybe he becomes a streaming option because he is a tight end who has athletic ability. Uh, they're, they're going to utilize the tight end in this system with Scott Turner and Ron Rivera coming in. So there could be a few weeks where maybe he goes on a touchdown run. I could see that. But outside of that, we're not talking about a guy who's going to be high in targets. We're not talking about a guy you're going to be drafting in any capacity. Just somebody who does fit the bill and does have the athletic ability that maybe he could be something in those DFS type of situations. Uh, but that's about it. And I just mentioned him real quick so we can just go ahead and get him out of the way. As far as Dwayne Haskins goes, fantasy-wise, we're not you're not going to draft him fantasy-wise. I don't know how much of a how much of a streamer he's going to be throughout the season either. Uh, you know, he's 80 his ADP right now is 31, which I think that's a little too low, but uh, you know, not out of the question either. Uh, I have him ranked 30. So obviously even my rankings, I'm not, I'm not sold on him either. The thing about Dwayne Haskins was he got better every single week last season. He didn't get the practice in training camp. He had a coaching staff before they were fired that clearly did not believe in him and his talents. Uh, that offense was absolutely horrendous. Their best weapon was a rookie. A lot of things just did not go his way. And yet every single game he until he got hurt, he definitely improved. Everybody saw it on film that he was definitely improving his game set. Now, I'm not saying that because he has a chance to be a fantasy sleeper because he doesn't. But if he can improve a little bit, now not only does Terry McLaurin become interesting, but especially now with the injury to Calvin Harmon, who's going to be out for the year for the ACL tear, all of a sudden Steven Sims might be a little bit interesting. As a late, maybe not as a draft pick, but as a streamer, maybe a borderline draft pick in your drafts, like a 15th, 16th round, a guy that maybe in PPR leagues, you know he's going to get a significant amount of volume because it's going to primarily be Terry McLaurin and Steven Sims getting those targets. He might be a little bit of a sleeper. Look at his look at his run last year. He was putting up numbers. He was a guy that people were picking up off the waiver wire and plugging and playing because he was getting targeted in the red zone. When teams were doubling Terry were starting to double Terry McLaurin, Steven Sims was becoming a bit of a safety blanket for Dwayne Haskins. That chemistry was starting to develop last season. And now with Kelvin Harmon out of the way, Look, they could do whatever they want with Golden and uh, Trey Quinn and you know uh, who know uh, Cody Latimer. I don't know what I don't think he's going to make the team. Uh, they could do whatever they want with those guys. It's going to be those two. So Steven Sims now with the injury to Kelvin Harmon becomes a little bit of a sleeper uh, in my book. Not somebody you have to go after, but somebody to kind of keep in the back of your mind if you want some in-season value as a streamer or really really late draft pick. He might have a little bit more value than people realize. Uh, but outside of that, like I said, it's it's McLaurin. McLaurin is the guy you, that you want to have on your team. 
Uh, like I said, his ADP was wide receiver 29. Uh, as I try to pull it up here to see exactly where I have him at, it's about in the same uh, general area. I have him at wide receiver 18. So I'm a little bit higher than the ADP consensus is, but that's just because when you when you add in the volume, and these also reflect Kelvin Harmon being injured too, and the ADP has not been wide receiver too. Now we get into the running backfield, right? We get into what what is this backfield going to look like? And I have scratched my head. I have picked and pried and analyzed and dissected. And the more I look into this backfield, the more confused I become by it. The more, just, just because from a simple standpoint, if Peyton Barber makes his team, which I think we have to explain, well, he's going to be making the most money out of any of the running backs in that backfield. That, to me, means he can only be a backup for so much. He can only be behind Darius Geis, maybe behind Adrian Peterson. I don't know if you could put him that low in the depth chart if he's going to be making the most money on the running back stable. Now, here's what we do know. Darius Geis will, get his first, will be the first one to get his first crack. Uh, starting week one, just like last year, they're going to want to give him the first crack at it because he's still the younger guy. They still don't know exactly what they have in him. They still have to have proven. I think you do know what you have out of Darius Geis. First of all, I've never been a big believer in his talent. That Even coming out of college, that was number one. I think his explosive ability was always overrated, especially when he was getting comparisons to Jamal Charles. I thought that was laughable. But I have him projected for eight games, and I think I'm being generous with that. Look, you can't expect Darius Geis to make it past six weeks. With what we've seen from him on the field, he's brittle. And even if you and even if you do want him to be the starter, even if you do want to take that chance, you know he's not going to get the full workload because the only way he makes it past that mark is if they're sharing a lot of it. And it looks like that's what they're going to do. Look, they bring in Peyton Barber. They're still kept Adrian. You bring in. Uh, you drafted Gibson. You still technically have Bryce Love on the, on the team. I'm I'm pretty sure somebody has to get cut. So I'm pretty sure Bryce Love's the one who winds up getting cut when it's all said and done. Dice's ADP right now is 27. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Darius Geis is not an RB three. Every everyone needs to get a clue. I don't care if you do believe in his talent. If you like what he has to bring to the table. The fact that this guy has never been able to make it past what six weeks, seven weeks, at all. And it's always it's not it's never a nagging injury. It's not like a hamstring pull. It's not like a an, an ankle twist or or a sprain. It's season ending injuries every single season. And when he has been on the field, he's been okay. He hasn't been great. There's been some productivity. But it's nothing that I'm like, oh, I need to take a flyer on Darius Geis in case he does actually manage to stay healthy this season. I might have a winner on my hands. Absolutely not. He hasn't shown that. In half-point PPR leagues, I have him ranked as running back 56 behind Damian Harris of New England Patriots. And that's projecting him for eight games, which I still think is being generous as far as the projection of how much he's going to play this season. Yeah, that's right. I have Peyton Barber way ahead of him at running back because I think Barber is going to be the one who winds up getting most of the carries. Not because I think Barber is the most talented. Absolutely not. Barber's a bum. Do not get it twisted in any kind of way. Everything that I say after this, just keep in mind, I'm fully aware that Peyton Barber is a bum. The contract, the amount of money they're paying him is what makes this situation so confusing. I don't know why you brought Peyton Barber in when you have Adrian Peterson, and you're not going to cut Adrian Peterson because it's well documented that he is the heart and soul of that locker room. And he does everything that Peyton Barber does but better, even at the age of... So that means he has to play, and he has to play in front of AP. Otherwise, what did, what did you bring him in for? 
you're going to have to justify that transaction. Now, it's not so much money that if he's doing horrible and AP's looking good that they wouldn't switch to AP, but it's enough where he's going to have to get at least get a shot early on. This is absolutely ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And then when you dissect it further, okay, now you have Gibson. You have Antonio Gibson they brought in. To me, that's just coach speak of we like this guy to come in and be able to give us our passing, you know, playmaking type of back. Because he's not Christian McCaffrey. I hope I hope everybody out there in MD Nation understands that he's not Christian McCaffrey. He doesn't have that kind of shifting. He doesn't have that kind of in-between-the-tackles running ability that McCaffrey has, which is uncanny. Uh, no, he's not Christian McCaffrey. But is he going to probably be their primary receiving back? Yeah. But how many carries is he going to get? If you're mixing in Darius Geis and you're mixing in Peyton Barber and you're mixing in Adrian Peterson... How many carries is he going to get? He's never going to get one on the goal line, I can tell you that much. So in order for him to score touchdowns, he's going to have to catch the ball on a screen from like 15 yards out. That's the only opportunities he's really ever going to get. And I have to scroll way down. Oh, not too far down. I have him as RB70. His ADP is RB57 for half-point PPR leaks. Again, I don't know why. I mean, look, when we're talking about RB57, you're already talking about a guy who's borderline whether you draft him because he's well-known for his pass protection skills. And early on in the season before Darius Geis gets hurt, is he never going to catch the ball? And my answer to that is no. Look, every way you you dissect this backfield, there's going to be percentage shares across the board. Across the board. And we're talking about a team that at best is 50-50 running the ball. But even even if their defense vastly improves, right? Even if the, the the draft pick of Chase Young can make this front four really really good, and their defense can keep them in ball games, because their offense only has one real true weapon, because Scott Turner has done nothing to impress me as an offensive coordinator, you're talking about a team that's going to average ten to seventeen points, meaning they're going to be trailing in a lot of games. So I don't think it's going to be a heavy run team at best fifty fifty, at best. That's not enough for anybody to shine in the backfield. Guys are going to have to get hurt or cut in order for us to have any kind of clarity as to sink our teeth into. The only guy that I think has a chance to be fantasy relevant in the later part of the season would be Gibson. Because if he does wind up taking over all the passing down work, now you have a guy in half point and full point PPR leagues who will have a floor as a result. But you can't draft based on that. And and that's there's that's no ceiling. That's no upside. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. And on the flip side of that, his floor is, well, below the floor. Because what if he doesn't get all that work? Where if Darius Geist does stay healthy, they're going to throw the ball to Geist too. So I'm just not touching this backfield. I don't see any reason why. I think the fact that ADP for Darius Geist is 27 is dumb. And ND Nation, let someone else make that mistake. Because they're going to regret it within the first month of football. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Based on this history, this team not being a very good offense, there's just there's no upside anywhere around. There's nothing but floors across the board when it comes to this backfield. I don't know why anybody would be touching it. I don't know why anybody would be drafting anybody else besides Terry McLaurin. So before we move on to our next team, which is the New England Patriots, and we're going to have some more interesting things to dissect there, especially when it comes to backfields, I do want to talk to you guys about the Hubble Podcast app, one of the great sponsors of the show. Hubble Podcast, you can rate or review this episode on the new Hubble Podcast app. It's the first listening app that allows you to rate and review podcast episodes. That's H-U-B-L. Their logo is a telescope on a red background in case you need to see it on your Google Play. Or if for interaction, you can give your feedback uh, for each episode through there as well. So we can kind of take that into consideration. It's just a great different way to be able to interact uh, with the show. So make sure you guys go ahead and check them out whenever you get the opportunity. But next up, we got the New England Patriots. And all the questions that come with the New England Patriots. Now, of course, the very, very first thing that we have to talk about is Cam Newton. Now, the ADP on Cam Newton right now is quarterback 24. It's still early on in the process of him becoming a New England Patriot quarterback, so I don't believe that's the accurate ADP on him as we get closer into the season. Now, there are some you know question marks about him right now. Is he truly going to be the starter? I lean towards yes, but the Patriots, of course, are trying to float that idea out there that Jared Stidham has not fallen off uh, the wagon as far as having an opportunity to start, even though they brought Cam Newton in. I don't think you bring Cam in unless your your game plan is to start him weekly. That's going to be a possibility. I talked about this a little bit because there's an offseason notes from a couple of weeks ago. I have Cam Newton ranked as the number 12 quarterback uh, for fantasy football purposes. And that's just because of the Baltimore Ravens, where they're going to kind of just utilize read option and throw off of that. I think they want to get physical. Belichick has always had an affinity for being physical if he had the opportunity to do so. And the England Patriots defense didn't get any worse. I mean, that, that's still going to be a really, really good defense this season. So the idea that they're going to play defense and run the football to win games, I think that's right up Belichick's wheelhouse of what he's going to ask Josh McDaniels to build an offense around, especially now you bring in Cam Newton. And because you brought in Cam Newton on a one-year contract, that's majority of it is incentive-related, uh, I think you have nothing to lose because if you run Cam Newton in the ground and you're New England Patriots, who cares? You already have Jared Stenham, who you say you're high on anyway, year before his career, which leads to my point for fantasy, which is I expect him to run the ball. Now, I don't have Cam projected to play 16 games, and I think if you're a responsible projector, you can't. I have him for about 12 games. It's In the last two years, he's, it took him two years to play 16 games over the last two seasons. So we, we can't expect Cam to really be fully healthy. And if they do run him into the ground a little bit more, he's going to get a little bit more banged up. But I've talked about this a little bit before. 
My big question for him is the shoulder injury. What do you have left throwing the football? Do you have any velocity left? Do you Are you going to be able to last an entire season? I've gone back and I've been watching the, uh, the film of all the games from last season again on, on everybody on, on Game Pass because you know, there's nothing else to do, obviously. So why not, uh, re, why not redo the memory or, or reimburse the memory there as far as how guys were looking while they were playing? And even if you go back to week one, which is when Cam was at his healthiest let's just say last season because he was a little bit banged up at training camp even going into week one but at his healthiest even then he looked like he was struggling throwing the football past eight to 12 yards he was struggling to do it he looked like he had to put his entire body into his throws to get it there and even then there was no mustard on that football none whatsoever and I don't know how or if that got better. I don't know if he was able to get a little bit healthier two years being removed from the shoulder surgery. I don't know if that was able to to allow him to get that shoulder stronger where it needs to be. Point is, is he's never going to have deep ball velocity that he had from, you know, in his... Does he have enough to at least push the ball down the field a little bit? I think that's going to be the question mark. So I have more issues with the idea of what does he have left juice-wise in that shoulder than I do with his athletic ability. He's still a big guy. He's still pretty mobile. He could still move. And if they run a, you know, a read option type of offense around him, I still think he can execute that uh, pretty, pretty well. Number one, if you do that, it makes the reads really, really see defenses at times, uh, especially if he's asked to throw the ball 35 to 40 times, if he's asked to drop back into a spread formation. That's why I don't think they're going to do it. That's why I think they are going to move to a more physical style run team. The offensive line, if healthy, should be vastly improved from what it was last season, which was a disgrace last season, which is a big reason why Sonny Michelle wasn't able to get going. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. And in 12 games... You know, I have him throwing for about 3,000 yards. I have him getting a 20 touchdowns, nine picks. I think he's going to be pretty safe with the ball, especially if they run that type of offense, a conservative offense off of that. And I have him rushing for about 345 yards. I have him getting about four touchdowns. And that would be, you know, about 506 touchdowns if he's actually able to play all 16 games. That makes him a valuable quarterback piece. That makes him in that sleeper territory where you can draft him uh, 13, 14, 15th round, possibly, probably closer to the 13th round by the time we get closer to the season, and get a guy that really does have the potential to get you a QB1 in 12-team leagues because he's going to have that rushing factor. He's going to have a, as long uh, don't have any risk because you have a guy that, who cares if he gets banged up? You took him way back in the late rounds. You just took him as a guy who could be a QB12, and you're back in the streamer territory anyway. So you have nothing to lose by taking Cam Newton there. Now, don't get mistaken. Don't think that you're taking a top five quarterback or a top six quarterback and, and jump on him early. Uh, and until, like I said, until the ADP kind of catches up to Cam Newton being on the team, I'm not entirely sure where he's going to wind up at. As of now, it's 24, so that's not the case at the moment. But even at QB12, you're still talking about a guy who should be coming back in the later rounds. I like him a lot there as far as his value goes. I do expect him to be the starter. As far as the backfield, this is where things you know get tricky, obviously. Now, a lot of people were super excited because now all of a sudden, James White, they felt like they had more confidence. And I don't know if this moves the needle on James White at all. I never felt like Jared Stenham was a bum. If you go back to my episodes from two years ago, I talked about Jared Stenham leading up into the draft. I even talked about how I thought the New England Patriots would be the best fit for him ironically where he wound up at because a little bit mobile he likes to dink and dunk he likes to spread it out he throws a pretty accurate ball underneath as well so I never felt like Jared Stenham was going to kill James White's value to begin with I guess like everybody else did now of course there's you know there's 
reasonable considerations when you're talking about that because you're talking about a guy that no one's seen play yet. He wasn't a high-drafted quarterback, uh, and he's been sitting in, you know, in New England for the past year. We haven't really been able to see him on the field. So, yes, there's question marks that come with that because you don't exactly know what you're getting, but I always felt like James White was going to be safe no matter what. Now, Cam, for me, he doesn't boost the value more than I already had it. doesn't decline it either uh, because checking down is something over the past couple of years that Cam has had to do more and more. So the idea of James White being a valuable half-point PPR running back or a full-point PPR running back is still very much in play in my mind. And this is a guy that I would like to have as my RB4 primarily, be able to play him the flex, be able to play him as you know an RB2 here and there to just fill in for bye weeks or injuries. The type of guy that he's always been. A valuable piece, but not somebody who's going to win or make or break your leagues in any kind of capacity. Uh, his ADP right now is about RB40. Again, I don't think that has quite caught up to Cam uh, being on the team and what, and what that's done because a lot of people have been boosting him since Cam has come on to the roster. I'm trying to find it now. I'm having a little bit difficulty doing so. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I was an RB27. And I think that's more where his ADP honestly is going to wind up at as we get closer to the season when people start to take these things into consideration. I have him... One spot ahead of Tariq Cohen because I think he's going to have more volume than that guy. Um, you know, he's in that territory of Tariq Cohen and Carryon Johnson. I have him right behind Damian Williams, uh, Devin Singletary, right in that range. And I think that's that's a great spot to be in half point PPR leagues. You're talking about guys who are borderline RB twos or flex plays, and that's exactly what I think his value is going to wind up being at the end of the day. The real question with this backfield becomes Sony Michelle, Damian Harris. Now. In the fantasy industry, everybody, Sonny Michelle has become synonymous with Adam Gase. And what I mean by that is everyone loves to crap on Adam Gase and how he kills fantasy players, which is absolutely true. But Sonny Michelle has become the player version of that now where everybody likes to crap. I don't think he's ever been fully utilized by the New England Patriots to this day because really I thought his best attributes coming out of Georgia was his ability to catch the ball and be, be involved in that capacity of the game. And they haven't done that because they have James White and they refuse to let anybody else besides James White catch the ball on a consistent basis, apparently. Having said all that, this is a talented runner. This is an explosive runner. If you watched the New England Patriots last year, which everyone had at, at least at some point, that offensive line was beyond atrocious. That offensive line was down there with the Rams, was down there with the Cardinals, was down there with the bottom five offensive lines in all of football. Between the injuries and just not playing well, they were not physical. They couldn't move the line of scrimmage. I don't know what Michelle was supposed to do. And they didn't... Josh McDaniels was not his creative normal self last season. He was he didn't use motion nearly as much as he normally did. He didn't try to get those... No, that's because they knew with the offensive line that they didn't want to take too many chances on what they could and couldn't do and want to make sure they were protecting Tom Brady at all costs. I don't know if that was the situation, but the fact of the matter is that was for what we're going to see this season. Now, Cam Newton helps all that. You want to talk about what Cam Newton's big impact is? It's the running game impact. Having that mobile quarterback automatically boosts the efficiency of any running back. Any running back. doesn't matter who it is. So he has that going for him. He has a much better offensive line for week one in front of him as long as everyone's able to stay healthy. So he has that going for him. Damian Harris barely played last season. So you, if you want to bring up the points of how Sonny Michelle, who everybody thought because of the draft capital, they would be playing him, he still didn't play. In fact, half the games he was inactive because he doesn't give you anything on special teams. Oh, and you know who's still going to be on this roster? I don't know why, but he is. Rex Burkhead. 
after I thought for sure he was going to get cut, but after they restructured his deal, probably not. Because Burkhead does offer them some stuff on special teams. There's a real possibility that Damian Harris, again, is going to be inactive for a lot of games this season, even in the second year. I know a lot of people don't believe that. I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, but that's the reality situation because Burkhead makes this team because he actually helps out on special teams, because Sony Michelle is going to be at least a starter for week one, no matter what you think of him, and because you have James White, well, they always keep Brandon Bolden active because he gives them gives something on special teams as well. Damian Harris might find himself inactive a lot of weeks again. Now, I think if you look at the roster, he should be the backup running back to Sony Michelle. But Rex Burkhead really clouds that aspect of it. He really does. And Michelle, right now, his ADP is RB31. Makes him about an RB3. That's about... I'm not bad at that. I have him at RB32. That's right, right around the area where I have him. Do I want him as my RB2? No. Not unless I went zero running back strategy and loaded up at wide receiver and I'm just looking for guys to fill gaps at. No. Especially half point, full point PPR leagues. We know we know they're not going to throw him the ball. They should, but they, we know they're not going to. But do I want him as an RB3? Yeah. I like him as a flex play that I can throw in there because he has a wide range of outcomes. Could it be as bad as it was last season? Yeah, it could be. But the odds are that he should see a lot of progression from last season's production. And... There's even a ceiling with him because if that offensive line is a lot better, he does have pretty good. He does. He is explosive. He's not a slow runner out there. So there's a ceiling that comes with him. I love him as an RB3. Uh, even better would be an RB4, but I have no promise Sonny Michelle being a fuck. I don't know what Damian Harris brings to the table that makes him such a better option than Sonny Michelle, other than we just haven't seen him fail yet. Because from a mobility standpoint, from a talent standpoint, he's not as explosive as Michelle is. He's not going to be involved in the passing game, which I also thought was one of his better attributes coming out of Alabama. Guys, this whole draft capital on running backs, and not to go off on too much of a tangent, but just kind of a side note here. This whole spending, I spent a second or third round draft pick on a running back, therefore he has to play. Because I hear this argument all the time in the fantasy industry from, from fans and from other experts. He's going to play because they drafted him here. How many times have we seen these guys come in and not play a lick? Did Darrell Henderson play much last season? No. Did Justice Hill, who everybody was telling me that why I was crazy that Mark Ingram couldn't be an RB1, did he play much last season? No. There's plenty of guys who get drafted in the second and third round and don't wind up seeing the significant amount of playing time that people claim that their draft capital indicates that they have to see because they spent that draft pick on them. It's not the case. You either have talent or you don't. You're either better than the guy in front of you or you're not. Plain and simple. Damian Harris is not. Period. And we're going to see that play out again this season. Moving on to the wide receivers for the New England Patriots. Edelman, obviously, good reason. Number one guy. No reason that's changed. Uh, I did boost him up maybe a little bit. Not too much, but I boost him up a little bit with Cam Newton. Again, nothing really against Jared Stidham other than I just know what we're going to get out of Cam. And you can kind of sink your teeth into that a little bit more confidently as a projector. And his his ADP right now is wide receiver 35. I'm a little bit higher than that. I'm having wide receiver 32, but in the same general area. Edelman's going to have a floor. He's going to get the most targets as long as he's the one on the field. As I have things dropping all around me because apparently we have a storm outside. Everyone bear with me on that one. But he's going to have he's going to have all that going for him. Right? 
So what we have there is a guy that we know he's going to have a floor from week to week, especially with half point and full point PPR leagues. He's going to be involved in the motions. He's going to be the guy who gets the mismatches. None of, none of that's going to change. None of that's going to change at all. So that's why I have a, a, a lot of confidence here when it comes to Julian Edelman as far as being a, a wide receiver three. Now, is he a guy who's going to have a ton of upside? Because like right here, I haven't ranked at wide receiver 32, but I have him one spot ahead of, uh, behind, I should say, of DJ Chark at wide receiver 31. And while the ranking there would tell you that they're in about the same range, I would definitely like DJ Chark a little bit more because he just has a higher ceiling that he can aspire to because of his big playability, because he's going to have heavy volume, I believe, in that Jaguars offense. So he just has a much higher ceiling. I have him right, behind, right ahead of Jameson Crowder. I think they're pretty much the same wide receiver there. You're talking about guys who are going to be in the slot, get volume. Not for three. Who's going to give you a floor from week to week? Just not as much ceiling. There's not much upside there. That's all. His his projection is going to be about what you can expect, and there's not really too much of a variation off of that. I have him for you know 106 targets, about 70 receptions, almost 900 yards, five to six touchdowns, and I think that's something you can sink your teeth into. So we know what we're going to get out of Julian Edelman. I think the question is, do we know what we're going to get out of Nikhil Harry? Do we know what we're going to get out of Muhammad Sanu? Now, everything that I understand thus far, we haven't had training camp yet, so we don't have a lot of information coming through as of right now. But everything I understand right now is that Nikhil Harry will be the wide receiver who's starting opposite Julian Edelman more times than not when they go two receiver sets, which means he's in more of a position to get more targeted and be on the field more than Muhammad Sanu. So, automatically he gets raised up from that. But his ADP is wide receiver 58, which means he's a borderline draft pick. And I have him ranked at wide receiver 50, which is a little bit higher, but still the same idea where he's nothing more than a late draft pick if you want to take that. And with Harry, it's really tough because he probably has the most upside of the Patriot wide receivers. He could become a favorite target of Cam Newton, especially especially quite possibly in the red zone. Uh, he could, as a young guy going into his second year, there could be a boost in his talent and his understanding of the game and his statistical output of what he's able to do. Remember, he missed most of his rookie season, so there wasn't as much as he was set up to be able to do in that situation. This is a guy they drafted in the first round. This is a guy that they have they have high hopes that has uh, high expectations for moving forward. And when he, that's why they're going to have him be the main starter across from Julian Edelman even when they go two receiver sets, not Muhammad Sanu. So he has a higher ceiling probably than the other guys do. But he also probably has a low floor because I could see the same exact situation where only goes to Edelman, where he goes to Muhammad Sanu a little bit, where they become a run-first team, and there's not a lot of volume to go around in the first place, and all of a sudden you're drafting Kill Harry, and he has nothing more than a floor. But when you're talking about him as wide receiver 50 or ADP-wise wide receiver 58, you're talking about a guy who's a fifth wide receiver. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I just don't think he has, I don't think he's in a situation for enough of a ceiling with the, given what this offense is expected to be for me to have him as one of my high sleepers. He's, he's not going to be the guy that I'm like, oh yeah, late rounds. I think you have a range of outcomes that could put you way over the top of what your ADP is or way over the top of what I have you valued at. I don't see him as that guy. I'm not excited about Nikhil Harry and his possibility prospects heading into this season. And I don't think anybody is. And the same thing goes for Mohamed Sanu. Again, you're talking about a guy who at most has a decent floor. But Mohamed Sanu, is his, his impact, and always has been, especially will be for the New England Patriots, more of an NFL impact than it is a actual you know, fantasy impact. 
fantasy wise, I don't know how much he's going to do. Wide receiver, he's his ADP is wide receiver eighty. Uh, I have to scroll all the way through my list to be even able to find him. I think I have him about the same territory anyway. But he's just he's not set up to get a ton of volume. He's not set up. To, he's not going to be the main touchdown guy. He's not going to be a perimeter guy. But is he going to be a guy who helps them? In the run game, yeah, because he's a big wide receiver who can block. Is he going to be able to help them? I think he's. I think what his role is going to be, honestly, is a glorified tight end position, where they're going to kind of use him as that hybrid, over the middle of the field, opposite side of Julian Elman type of deal. Kind of use him down the seam. Kind of use him. Just kind of use him as a glorified tight end because they don't have a tight end. I mean, you want to talk about tight end fantasy wise for New England Patriots? They're still not going to be a relevant one on this team. Whether it's Oscar or whether they give Lacoste another chance, whatever the case may be, there's not going to be a tight end of relevancy on the New England Patriots. And we're not going to talk about that's what I think the role of Muhammad Sanu is going to try to fill in the red zone, be their tough red zone target, you know, wide receiver type of guy. But his impact is going to be NFL related. It's not going to be fantasy related. So when it comes to New England Patriots, I like Cam. I like Sony Michelle. I like James White. I like Edelman for what they are. But there's nobody on that team that excites me. There's nobody on that team, that offense, that I feel like has a chance to be in the top 10 at their position or top 5 or anything like that. These are guys that you fill your roster with. These are decent pieces around that. Nothing really more than that, and I wouldn't expect anything more out of that. Before we move on to the Carolina Panthers, Cam's old team. I got a sponsor to talk to you guys about called Prop Me. Now, Prop Me, they are a new innovative gaming system or platform, I should say, that you can log on to and really be able to create whatever you want. Whatever you want. It's really cool, actually, because no matter what you're doing, you can create a prop for it. If you're playing beer pong with your friends, you can create a prop for that. If you want to bet on a certain play with your friends, you can create a prop for that. You can get into group contests. You can make tournaments out of it. It's completely customizable for you. So Prop Me, if you check it out on your app store at PropMeLLC.com or on Apple Play, Google Play, check them out. It's a really fun. It's easy to use. It's fun to gamble with. doesn't have to be a lot. You can do it with a bunch of role coming as the head coach. You have Joe Brady taking over as the offensive coordinator. Teddy Bridgewater comes in as a quarterback. You add Robbie Anderson to the mix. It's a lot of additions. It's a lot of a lot of exciting, exciting additions. I love Joe Brady, especially Matt Rule. Matt Rule's solid. I have no issue with him. I wasn't super excited about him. I don't know if he was somebody that I really felt like changed the needle coming out of college in the NFL. But the fact that he brought in Joe Brady was what I really got excited by. Because we know what his offensive coordinator capabilities are. We know where he where his tree is. He comes from the Sean Payton tree. So I was really excited by that. Now, what does that mean for everybody else? The key for this team is going to be Teddy Bridgewater. And what I mean by that is, Teddy, is he a guy who is able or willing or ready to take his game to the next level, right? Because, look, he was drafted by the Minnesota Vikings. He he played a kind of game manager type of role his rookie season. He looked like he was maybe ready to, he was ready to take the next step. And he wound up with, you know, a significant injury. He's always kind of playing point. Didn't give you much fantasy-wise. But again, he played within himself. He played a game manager role. He played not to turn over the ball. And he just made sure he got the ball, you know, to his key pieces. Michael Thomas being that that one. So we haven't seen this guy be able to drop back and look to be aggressive. And look to spread it out to multiple places. And just basically look to let it fly. We haven't seen that yet. Doesn't mean he can't do it. Doesn't mean it won't be it with Joe Brady. 
but we just haven't seen it yet. So it leaves question marks as far as what, how everybody else can eat. Now, Teddy Bridgewater himself, his ADP is at QB 27. Uh, and I have, I have much higher than that. I have him at QB 14. So I have him as a guy that I think is going to be a streamier option that's going to be a high-end QB2. Because when I look at Teddy Bridgewater, I look at the offensive weapons, and I look at the offensive system, I see a guy who has a very high floor. I don't know how high, how ready he's, he's ready to go and, and whip it around, and, and maybe he does have a decent ceiling that we're not, not going to see. But I, what I do know is that he's going to be efficient. He's going to be safe. And like I said, with the offense and the weapons, this is a guy who should have a floor. The other thing Teddy Bridgewater has, he does have some mobility. I don't know if he's going to utilize that mobility. This is a guy who seemingly has been a little bit gun-shy to run around ever since uh, the injury, which, you know, for good reason. That was, that was a career-ending one. The fact that he's back playing football at all is a miracle. The fact that he's back and, you know, starting for a team now and has gotten a contract for is, is a huge story. It really is. And I have him for about 4,000 yards, 22 touchdowns, maybe 10 picks, and about 300 yards rushing. Three touchdown, three rushing touchdowns. Puts him in the high-end QB2 territory. I think this is a guy that this, we are going to be talking about as a streamer. He has too many weapons not to succeed. Like Things are going to be very, very simple for him. He's going to have simple reads because Joe Brady is a very good offense coordinator. He puts guys in position. And because everybody can do something different, you have DJ Moore who can line up in the slot, line up outside, but he can be a good possession uh, safety blanket type of wide receiver who should be getting the bulk of the targets. You have Robbie Anderson who could take the guys down the field, take the, take the top off the, uh, the defense. And frankly, I think it's a little bit more versatile than that. The bigger guy, 6'4". I think we're going to see Robbie Anderson be a little more versatile than we've ever seen him be when he was on the New York Jets. And you have Curtis Samuel who can kind of do everything else in between. Ian Thomas is a competent NFL athletic tight end. I'm not as high on him as most are, but he's definitely a competent NFL tight end. And, of course, you have the safety blanket of all safety blankets in Christian McCaffrey to be able to dump the ball down to. Everything sets up B27. You'd have to be horrible to be QB27. You'd have to be completely incompetent, or you would have to be the most conservative quarterback ever with these weapons and this system, QB27. That's way too low. Way too low. And Teddy Bridgewater, as a result, might might wind up being one of my sleepers that we talk about when we talk about the five best, five busts, and five sleepers that's going to be coming up uh, in a couple of weeks for the quarterback position because of how drastically higher I am. And I didn't think I was going to do that because he doesn't have a huge ceiling. I'm not talking about... I don't think Teddy Bridgewater has a great chance of being a top 10 quarterback by the end of the year. So I typically don't have those guys being sleepers, but in the sense of, is he going to be a streaming option? Is he going to be valuable for you guys from week to week? Yeah. 100%. I don't I don't see how he wouldn't be. I don't see why he wouldn't be. So I like him a lot more than most. He's de- at the very least the way you have to look at Bridgewater is he has proven that he's definitely an NFL competent quarterback. And even if you think he's nothing more than Alex Smith, which I think is his floor, then you're still talking about a guy who could be a top 12 QB for fantasy purposes. That's what Alex Smith was every year. He was a top QB too. He was a guy that you could plug and play stream off of. I don't see why Teddy Bridgewater would be any different, especially with the weapons around him. Christian McCaffrey, do we need to talk about him? No. RB1, the only, you know, people have some questions, is he going to get as much touches? Even if he doesn't, even if they do take a few carries away, even if they do try to take a few receptions away to keep him a little fresher, 
you're still talking about the guy who is going to be the closest running back in the NFL who's going to be able to have a 1,000 and 1,000-yard season again. And even though I don't have him quite making it because I only have him going for about 800 yards receiving, it doesn't matter. The, the, the astronomical production that you're going to get from both the rushing and the receiving game when it comes to Chris McCaffrey, he's in a tier all by himself at RB1. And I don't think there's any argument you can make. It. And that's even with, I have him for what? I have him about, if I look at the numbers here, 30 less touches overall between targets and carries and still still ahead of the class, head and shoulders. That's why I'm not worried about it. Even if they take away a decent amount of touches, it's not It's not going to affect him that much. Is he going to be the maybe the ungodly, record-breaking, setting type of fantasy running back he was last year? No. And the same thing goes for Michael Thomas. He's not, they're not going to be quite on that level. But are they still going to be the number ones at their position? Are they still going to be in a tier by themselves? Yeah, absolutely. So that, you don't really have to talk about too much about Christian McCaffrey. The wide receivers where it gets interesting. The wide, I've got a lot of feedback on the wide receivers, and a lot of people are not happy with me with where I have these Panther wide receivers ranked at, as the wide loves them a lot more than I do, because they have him ranked at the wide receiver 14. And yes, news alert, or you know, uh, spoiler alert, DJ Moore will be on my bust episode when we talk about the wide receivers. He's not going to give you high-end wide receiver two numbers, people. I don't know where this... this love relationship between fantasy players and DJ Moore came to be so strong that they want to make him a borderline wide receiver one. doesn't make any sense. When you actually look at it from a realistic standpoint, it doesn't make any sense to have him as a borderline wide receiver one. None. Especially this year. You added Robbie Anderson. You have all these other weapons. You have Joe Brady, who's known for spreading the ball out amongst his weapons, especially when he has multiple of them. So while DJ Moore, yes, I have him being the number one targeted wide receiver, he's not going to be the overwhelming number one targeted receiver. It's not going to be DJ Moore for 150 targets and then everybody else on the team like it was for Michael Thomas. That's not that's not what's going to happen. And I have him as a result just getting... I have him for 122 targets. And I think that's I think that's a safe number. I think that might even be high for his target share when you compare it to the rest of the receivers who are going to get some shares out of that at offense as well. And that's only assuming that they become a pass-first team and not a 50-50 team. 75 receptions, 987 yards, and about five to six touchdowns. That's the other part about DJ Moore that drives me crazy. His ceiling is about five or six touchdowns, and you need him to get you about 100 receptions and well over 1,000 yards to actually give you the return on your value at ranking him at wide receiver 14 or his ADP being wide receiver 14 in half-point PPR leagues, it's not there. It doesn't set up for that. He's not in line to get 100 receptions this season. And I question whether he even gets to 1,000 yards. But when you combine all that and you know that he's his ceiling is five or six touchdowns, he has a floor and not much of an upside. In order for him to give you back, he's going to have to get about 1,300 yards and 100 receptions in order to give you back the value that you're looking for because he doesn't score touchdowns. That's not going to happen in this offense. Not when you have Robbie Anderson coming in who's going to get a good amount of work in his own right. Not when you have Curtis Samuel who's still going to get his share of the targets. Ian Thomas, Christian McCaffrey, probably going to be the number two targeted guy on the entire team anyways. McCaffrey the running back. 
There's not enough volume funneled to DJ Moore. He is not a big play threat. He is a possession wide receiver. He's not a red zone guy. His talent does not set him up to have this astronomical ceiling from a fantasy standpoint. He has a floor. He's a floor player. He's a guy that you can plug and play and know that you're probably going to get 10 points out of from a half point PPR standpoint every single week. That's where he brings to the table. That's where he could be a wide receiver too in a topper end wide receiver three, which is why I have him ranked as a wide receiver three as a flex guy because he has a floor that you can sink your teeth into every single week. And because he's going to be the number one targeted player on what should be a decent offense, I have him higher than guys like Julian Edelman and James Crowder. But in reality, I don't think he's much different than Julian Edelman. Not much different at all. So a lot of people disagree with that, and that's fine. He's going to be in my bus category. And MD Nation, I'm telling you right now, let someone else make that mistake. If they're going to draft DJ Moore in the second or third round, do not waste your time. You are, First of all, are you're, you don't have a great chance of getting a return on your value, but you're definitely not going to get a player who has the kind of upside as the other players going in that range. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. If you actually realistically break it down and the percentages that are actually reasonably expected for these guys to have within the confines of the, of the expected production of this offense, there's no way in hell DJ Moore is going to have this huge season that makes him wide receiver 14. That's astronomically high. And I don't know where DJ Moore became this superstar talent in people's minds. He's a good wide receiver, but there's nothing that special about him. He's a good route runner. He has good hands. He's a good safety blanket. He's a good possession guy. He's a good guy to move the the chains. He's not a superstar. He doesn't have that upside ability. You can't draft him at his peak, and his peak would be wide receiver 14 right now, and that's where people are drafting him. You can't draft him there at all. Same thing goes with the rest of the wide receivers. I mean, while he's there, and then all of a sudden Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel are wide receiver 52 and 58. That's actually reasonable for what you can expect out of them. For how they set up. So everyone, you seem to be reasonable on everybody except for DJ Moore when it comes to this offense. Which is just odd to me. You understand there's only one football. You can't get it to everybody else. I have Robbie Anderson at wide receiver 58. So I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit lower on him than consensus. I have Curtis Stamen at wide receiver 61. So I'm a little bit lower on him than the consensus. But right in that same territory. DJ Moore does not command 140 targets, and that's what he would have to do to give you wide receiver 14 numbers. And he's not going to command that in this offense. It's not going to happen. Period. Let someone else make that mistake. Moving on to Ian Thomas real quick. ADP, tight end, 27. I go back and forth with Ian Thomas. I'm actually much higher on him from a fantasy perspective. I was surprised that his ADP was only tight end 27 because I thought I was going to be low on him when I projected and ranked him. And I wound up having him as, as tight end 17 in half-point PPR league. So tight end 2, mid-level tight end 2, a guy I think will be a streaming option for you at times. I've never been big on his talent. He has some athletic ability, but I always felt like he was a guy who, kind of like Mike Kosicki, I think they're better athletes than they are actual tight ends and being able to really play that position and be able to block and be able to be dependable and, and be guys who really are mismatches. I mean, they're athletic, but you know, I don't... When you watch the film on Ian Thomas, he doesn't get a ton of separation when he runs routes. So for being as as athletic as he is, to not get separation the way other guys who have his similar athletic ability are able to, I question how great he is. I think there's still a lot of rawness there. I think there's still a lot of fundamentals he needs to work on for his uh you know, his 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 route running ability and such. But 
is a guy that I think he doesn't have much of a ceiling, but I do think he has a higher floor than what his ADP is right now. I was surprised it was at 27. I think he's a guy, like I said, you're going to be able to stream at certain points in the season if you're in that situation where you're streaming tight ends. I think it would be solid, but you're not going to get a top 12 tight end guy uh, consistently out of him. Again, it comes back to there's not going to be enough footballs to go around enough of the time. There's still going to be uh, a lot of targets going to the receivers, to the running back. So there's not a lot of volume, again, uh, getting funneled his way to be able to check out. So kind of just keep that in mind as well. Um, now moving on. Well, actually, before we move on, I do have another sponsor that we have to talk to you guys about real quick. Trophy Smack. Commemorate your league in the best possible way. Trophy Smack has everything that you need from trophies to belts to rings in all different colors. And of course, they offer free shipping. If you use the promo code BELLYUP today, you can get a trophy and a free ring with your order. So make sure you go to Trophy Smack, use the promo code BELLYUP, and commemorate your league and give your champion what they deserve. That's a really great sponsorship there with them. Really exciting. They, they really... They make your fantasy league special. They really do. You have that big trophy you can get. You split it with your friends. You can get the extra ring. So that way when, you know, when everyone passes around the trophy, whoever wins from year to year, you still have the ring you can be able to hold on to. They, they can really make a league a lot of fun. So I highly recommend you guys go ahead and check them out. Last but not least on today's show, we got to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now we have Gardner Minshew, the Minshew mania, which apparently is still alive and well and apparently has written over everyone's objectivity when it comes to what his actual talent is on the field, and people still love him. Now, his ADP is, I think, fine. His ADP is is, is QB 29, and that that's fine. When you talk to Minshew fans, though, they make it sound like he should be a QB 1 for fantasy football purposes, and it drives me crazy on social media. The, the, the blind love that this guy gets... Uh, there's certain players who get that. Ryan Fitzpatrick is another guy who who will get that, especially when he's playing well. He'll just get blind love, and anytime you try to point out, well, their talent's not actually that great, you get ridiculed for it. It's kind of odd. Um, I don't know, if it's because he just you know he the, he's the underdog, so people love the underdog story, so they always want to get behind that guy or, or what the case may be. But for fantasy football purposes. Uh, the best way to win your leagues is not to play with your heart. It's to play with your brain. It's to play with your logicalness. It's not to play with your emotions. And if you draft Gardner Minshew high, not that the ADP is reflecting that, but if you draft Gardner Minshew high, you're playing with your emotions, not your logicalness. The odds are that you are not going to make the playoffs if that's how you're going to play. So just kind of a comment on some of the conversations that I've been having on social media, which is weird. And funny enough, I'm actually two spots higher than the ADP right now. ADP right now is QB 29. I have him at QB 27. And I think that's a fair, it's a fair number. Uh, I, I don't, you know, is he going to have high volume? There's, there's a possibility that he does. And they're going to be, they're going to be trailing a lot of games. The Jaguars are going to be, I want to say the Miami Dolphins because the Miami Dolphins were the team that everyone looked at and were like, oh, you're you're blatantly trying to tank, but they didn't wind up being the worst team in the league. It wound up being the Cincinnati Bengals. This team is setting up to be the worst team in the league, and it, it shouldn't even be close. So will there be volume for him throwing? Yeah, probably, but he's not that great. Uh, you know, I have him for 3,700 yards, 20 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, maybe 390 yards rushing. But this is a guy who was more lucky than good last season. This was a guy who should have had a lot more turnovers. And if you looked at, and I believe it was Player Profiler, and they have a they have a lot of great resources on there that I looked at those guys. And if you looked at his interceptable passes, 
it was, I believe it was the sixth highest in the league. He didn't wind up getting intercepted at that rate, but basically you're saying that he should have been. And you're basically saying that he was more lucky than good, which reflects on tape when you actually watch it. There's a lot of times where he got away with some major mistakes, and because the defense didn't make the play on the ball or what have you, he just was able to skate by and got away with a lot of things. I, that's not going to happen two years in a row. You're not, you're not more lucky than good two years in a row in the NFL. So when he gets smacked back, then in reality, this could get ugly really fast. Really fast. So I don't have Minshew as a streaming option. I don't have him as a guy you're going to be drafting at all. The only two players I'm, I'm looking at from a fantasy perspective when it comes to Jacksonville Jaguars, of course, is Leonard Fournette and, and DJ Chark. That's it. And in Fournette's case, I have a lot of questions there, too. I have him ranked as RB16. His ADP is about RB14. So we're pretty close there as far as that goes. And look, he could be a lot higher. Leonard Fournette finishing as a top 10 running back or at least a top 12 running back for 12-man leagues and being that RB1, that is in his range of outcomes. The question is going to be how much receiving work does he actually get? We know he's going to get a lot of the carries. There's no reason not to run Leonard Fournette into the ground. I don't think they're going to be bringing him back next season. So they have they have nothing holding them back as far as just using him up for whatever he's worth and running him into the ground and calling it a day. I mean, there's there's nothing holding him back for that. But how much receiving work is he going to get? I think that's the big question, right? Because when it comes to Leonard Fournette, you have Chris Thompson coming in who's been with Jay Gruden. And whenever he's been with Jay Gruden, Jay Gruden's always loved being able to use him in the passing down role. I don't see why that doesn't continue. I don't, you have Leonard, Leonard Fournette did get a lot of receptions. I find this funny too. So I'm having this conversation with another expert uh, within the fantasy industry. I'm not going to name who it was. And we're having a back and forth. And the back and forth was about Leonard Fournette and how he proved last year that he was this amazing pass catching back. And I laughed at myself for two reasons. The first reason I laughed at myself is because leading up until last year, everyone talked about how his receiving skill set was questionable at best and that he was really a zero in the passing game, yada, yada, yada. And I sat there and said, I'm like, the guy was a wide receiver in high school, became a bigger, became way bigger when he moved to college and then got moved to running back. The idea that this guy doesn't have good hands is erroneous. The idea that this guy can't be utilized in the passing game more than what he was being utilized up until that point is ridiculous. Now, all of a sudden, in one year, it's gone the exact opposite way because he had all the volume in the world, both in the rushing and the receiving game. Now, all of a sudden, he's proven that he's a great receiving back. Well, no, I don't think he's a great receiving back either. He, can he catch the ball? Can he play all three downs? 100%. That's never been a question of mine. And Leonard Fournette really should be a budding superstar. And I think because he's been on Jacksonville, it's just been ruining the, the value that he really could and should have at the moment. Should be a budding superstar. Yes, he can catch the ball. Out of the Is he the most dynamic guy out in the open field catching the ball out of the backfield? No, not really. Can he run the greatest of routes? Can you split him? You know, can he motion him to line up as a wide receiver outside and expect him to really be able to get great separation? No, not really, just because of the kind of build of running back he is. Not really. But he's a guy, can you dump it off to? Can he play on third and longs? Yeah, he, he gets the three down back. That was never a question of mine. So that was the first reason why I laughed. The second reason was, I love how all of a sudden everyone just ignores the fact that Chris Thompson is on the team now. Everyone's like, oh, no, who cares about Chris Thompson, blah, 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 blah. 
whether they had Darius Geis or AP or whoever in that backfield, if Chris Thompson was back there, he was utilized as the main third down back. Why does that change? You're going into a season. Jay Gruden has to make a name for himself this year. Otherwise, he might find himself out of the NFL pretty soon. So he has to be able to do something. Thompson is a bit more explosive playmaker when catching the... He's not getting... I don't think it's going to wind up happening in the rushing game. I still think he's he's a candidate for 300 carries. I have him for about 293 on the season. But you can do that in the receiving game. You're going to need as many playmaking weapons as you possibly can on a team that is going to be trailing, probably starting off in the first quarter, in 90% of their games this season. So now all of a sudden you open it up where they're going to be trying to come from behind a lot more majority of the game, which means more playing time possible for Chris Thompson. Two-minute drills. Third and longs. So that's going to be the question. Now, if they don't do that, if they decide that they just want to give the ball to Leonard Fournette come hell in high water because he probably is their best offensive player, and Chris Thompson is just going to be there more to spell him on passing down specialist situations, well, then Leonard Fournette could be looking at being a, a top 10 running back this season because I've talked about this numerous times. He should be a lot better in the touchdown category. All he has to do is progress to the league average with the amount of touches that he has in the goal line, and he would be a top 10 running back. But I don't think that's going to be the case. Chris Thompson, I really truly believe, is going to be the main passing down back with Jay Gruden until he gets hurt. Until he gets hurt. And then all the bets are off. If you're curious, as far as Fournette goes, I have him for about 1,100 yards and seven touchdowns as far as rushing goes. I have him getting about 54 targets, 43 receptions. I think that's a pretty solid number to expect out of him. And Chris Thompson, I don't have him as a guy to draft, but he is some full-point PPR, but even half-point PPR leagues to some degree. I have him only one spot behind Naeem Hines at RB58 with 60 targets and 47 receptions. Because if he's going to be that involved in the passing game, this is a guy who's going to have a floor. This is a guy who you could probably bring in in a flex situation on bye weeks and try to get, you know, six to eight points out of, just kind of fill in the spot for that week. If he gets the passing down work that he's had with Jay Gruden, there was a time where Chris Thompson was an RB2 for the season because of how effective he was in the passing game. And if you're talking about a team that is probably going to be pass-heavy, due to the situation of them trailing every single week, which is probably what's going to happen, well, then there's an, there's an added volume there that sets up pretty well for him to be able to do that again. I'm not saying that's what I expect, but I'm saying that it's in the range of outcomes. And Thompson right now, his ADP is RB83, so it tells me that no one's even contemplating him right now. No one's even contemplating that this will be a possibility, which I think is ridiculous. I hope not. I mean, personally, I love Leonard Fournette. I think he's gotten a raw deal ever since he's coming to the NFL, and I would love him just to see him get all the touches, all the work again, and this year that he wasn't able to last year to really be looked at as an actual budding superstar that he should be. But I don't think it's going to wind up being the reality situation. Now we move on to the wide receivers. We move on to the other player of the Jaguars that might be fantasy relevant this year, starting off with DJ Chark. Talked about him a little bit. Yes, I have him as wide receiver 31 for half-point PPR. And that's a little bit lower than the ADP consensus. The ADP consensus is wide receiver 24. I'm not mad about that. Could he be a wide receiver too? Yeah, absolutely. He has the physical talent gifts for it. Uh, The possible volume that he could be seeing is very much uh, in range there. I have him not thinking, not guessing, not 
not leaning towards knowing that Gardner Minshew is not a very good quarterback, it lowers it. Because this offense is not going to be incredibly efficient. This offense is not going to be a high-scoring offense. And when you have bad quarterback play, even if you're the wide receiver, you should be seeing the overwhelming majority of the targets, which I do expect DJ Chark to do. I have him for about 122 targets. Then he's still going to have a floor that you're going to have to deal with. You're not always going to hit that ceiling that you're going to that you have the capability of hitting. And it's going to take away some games, and there's even though and it's going to be frustrating at times this year. So that's why I have him more as a wide receiver three, who has the possibility of being a high end wide receiver two, because he has the physical gifts of a true you know wide receiver one on the NFL team. He has that physicality, he has that talent, without a doubt. And because the other receivers around him aren't scrubs, while I don't love them for fantasy purposes, and we're talking about Chris Conley, Westbrook, and, and Lavisca Chenault as a rookie, they have enough ability where you can't necessarily just key on DJ Chark either. You can't just cloud cover him. The other guys can do have enough talent to make you pay if you do that. So that helps DJ Chark a lot too. But they also they're not gonna be they're not good enough, they're not demanding enough, they're not commanding enough to take away a lot of looks from DJ Chark either. So it kind of plays well with him. I think wide receiver 31, which is where I have him ranked, I think there's a very good chance that could be his floor this season, which is a very high floor. And I could have him ranked at his floor. I wouldn't argue that. He has a wide range of outcomes, but he's a safe wide receiver to take with some big playability. And I feel pretty. I would feel pretty confident him as a wide receiver three. If he's my wide receiver two, I'm going to feel a little uneasy about it just because I'm dealing with Gardner Minshew as my quarterback just because I'm dealing with what's going to be a not very high-scoring Jaguars offense at the end of the day. That's really my concerns when it comes to D.D. Chark, which is why I'm a little bit lower than him than the rest of the ADP. Now, as far as the other wide receivers go, I'm, gonna run, I'm just going to uh, read them off to you real quickly as far as their ADP. D.D. Uh, Westbrook, wide receiver 72, Chris Conley, with his versatility from the slot perimeter, his explosive ability, I think he would be a great weapon for someone. And I think that would be Imagine D.D. Westbrook on the Chiefs. Are you really going to tell me that Mecole Hardman is better? No. But people are excited about Miko Harmon, the idea of him, because of what his capability is with that Chiefs offense of Patrick Mahomes. You put D.D. Westbrook on there, now I think you're talking about a guy who actually has a chance to usurp Sammy Watkins and actually be a pretty uh, consistently utilized weapon and very much be fantasy relevant. So that's kind of my point. If D.D. Westbrook winds up somewhere else, I think we're going to be talking about him again. I do like his talent, but I've never liked him for fantasy purposes on the Jacksonville Jaguars because, there's again, there's just not enough volume getting funneled in his direction for that to be the case. And because he doesn't line up on the outside a lot, because they have him running a lot of shorter routes as a slot receiver, his big plays that should be there get really there at the rate that they should be. So we're not going to draft any of those other wide receivers. And we're not going to bother with them. Like I said, it's DJ Tark, it's Leonard Fournette. As far as the tight ends go, I guess we could talk about them because you have Tyler Eifert, you know, who used to be fantasy relevant. And I like Josh Oliver a lot, though. I like their kid. He has a lot of talents. He can't block worth a damn, but I do like him from a high ranked as tight end 37. And I think Oliver, I'm down a little bit further on here as well. But his his ADP is 41. Josh Oliver's ADP is 40. Meaning you're not taking these guys' talent standpoint. He, he, he maybe want to put them on. You know, if you have a taxi squad, or if you just have an extra, you know, a, a lengthy bench that you can kind of keep guys um, like him to see what they turn out to be. But there's not going to be a 
fantasy relevant Jacksonville Jaguar tight end this season. There's not. I mean, Neifert, like, if he plays more than eight games, it'll be a miracle. We all know that. Maybe he come, becomes a targeted in the red zone. Maybe there's some weeks where maybe he can start looking as a streamer if he does get those targets. Uh, but you're talking about you're talking about best hope pie in the sky uh, expectations or, or or hopes for him. That wraps up the show, guys. I hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, it was a lot of information. Of course, we have one more team profile series we're going to come out with next week on July 24th, same time, same place. You can always follow us along and watch us on Sportscaster, on Twitter, Periscope, on Facebook Live, on YouTube. And of course, you can always check us out on your favorite podcast app, whether it's Apple Store, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is widely available to you. Make sure you take advantage of the MD Nation hotline and contacting us on social media for your fantasy football questions comments or rants you can always hit us up on twitter and facebook at belly up mdff show or you can call the md nation hotline 609-362-2480 make sure you check out all my rankings the tier rankings are now up and published as well as along with my other positional rankings and all-around rankings for half point standard full point vpr on bellyupsports.com and also check out that we're doing a charity league on there a saint jude's belly up bowl is what we're calling it it's our first annual one where we're doing a thousand dollar donation to saint jude's and then of course a thousand dollars to the winner and we even have some cash prizes for the second and third place. And we're going to be getting a trophy for the champion as well. So make sure you go ahead, check that out. You can go to the website. There's there's an application on there for you to fill out. And then we will get back to you if we decide to select you for our big annual league. Very excited about that. So make sure you go ahead and check that out as well. We're going to see you guys all next week. Everyone be safe and keep, keep your fingers crossed that we're going to be able to have football this season. Thank you for listening to Belly Up Sports, MD's fantasy football show. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.